You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And we wanted to let you know that this week's episode might be a tough one for some of you. We are talking with a certified doula about miscarriage and pregnancy. And both of us know, Renee and I both, from personal experience, that this can be a heavy and grief-inducing topic. But our intention really is not exploitation, but information and sensitivity. And if this is something that you've struggled with or worried or wondered about, we hope that you'll join us. Yeah, and today our guest is Sarah Perry, a doula with Nashville Doula Services here in Middle Tennessee. You may remember her from some previous episodes, the Boy Mom episode and What Do You Do With a Doula? So we're so glad to have you back, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, remind our listeners just a little bit about your family, how long you've been in your profession. Okay, so I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have three boys, seven, five, and three, and one on the way, little girl. Insert now. <laughs> yes, we're so excited. Um, but I've been doing doing doula work since about uh, the fall of 2016. So about seven years now. It's a long time. Yes. Yeah. About, do you know how many births you've Oh, goodness. You've helped? I, I get that question a lot. I don't even know now. But like last year, it was plus 50. So we're over. Wow. Yeah. Definitely over that now. <laughs> well, we wanted to talk with Sarah in particular because she's had firsthand experience in a professional capacity walking with women through the procedures and loss that come with miscarriage. And as she'll share later, she's also, as we have, experienced that loss herself. She said gave you a a much much deeper Mm -hmm. empathy empathy and ability to to help other moms at this point forward. Yes. Because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So let's just start off by giving you a definition. What is miscarriage? Medically, clinically, it is the spontaneous loss of a pregnancy before the 20th week. And there about one in four known pregnancies end in miscarriage. And I say known because a lot of people don't even know they're pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, early. But the actual number could be higher. And so before a woman might even know she's pregnant, she could miscarry. Most miscarriages happen in the first trimester before the 12th week of pregnancy. Most of them even greater number of those in the six to eight week mark. And it's the, uh, in the second trimester between 13 and 19 weeks happens only in one to 5% of pregnancies. So in other words, the likelihood of miscarrying decreases in general as the weeks go by. Yeah. Which should be a comfort as, as yes. you go along. I know it was for me. So the moment you suspect you're pregnant, which can be pretty early. If you're one of those people who has an on the dot regular cycle, most women imagine the life they're carrying as a baby already Already you can see the flickering motion of the heartbeat beginning on an ultrasound around six weeks, even though typically you don't hear an audible heartbeat with that Doppler fetal monitor until the 10th week. And the heart doesn't have all its major components until the beginning of week 10. And by this time, all of the other major organ systems have begun to develop. Do you remember how far along you were? Yeah, it was really early. It's like six weeks. I was 10. Yeah. I was 10. So we were in that window. 10 is significant, though. That's a big difference to me. Well, between six and 10, yeah. Yeah. But it's still in this early, yeah, Mm -hmm. common window that they're talking about. Right. Sure. And mine was my first pregnancy. What was your first one? Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I wanted to just take a moment and pause and address the why, because I know a lot of women I've talked to, um, even re- as recently as just this last weekend, have a, a I mean, that's the question we ask mm-hmm. in suffering. Mm-hmm. Why? And while I don't have complete answers to why, I, I do have a framework for why we have suffering at all in the world. And it's just, I just wanted to pause and lay that out there. Mm-hmm. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the world broke in many, many ways, and some of which include our relationship with God was severed. So Adam and Eve were walking with God, looking in face to face in the cool of the day, you know, the chapter says, and then when they sinned, they hid, Mm -hmm. and then they were eventually removed mm-hmm. from the garden, from God's presence. When they sinned, their relationship with each other was hindered. The blame shifting began. You know, she gave me the fruit <laughs> and the, the serpent tempted me and, and all of this. And they hid from each other as well. They covered themselves. They were naked, which is hard to even imagine that kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and then our emotional lives were broken. There was guilt and shame and fear and sadness and all of those things were entered in. So we have that kind of brokenness and creation as well was broken. So um, Romans describes that creation has been subjected to frustration mm-hmm. and is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed so that it too can be restored. So it's worth noting that we're in this in-between time because of Jesus coming we have consolation and we have restoration that's kind of an already but not yet situation. You know, we, we have restored relationship with God, yet we don't enjoy that intimacy face-to-face yet. So when there's this pain and disease and dying and genetic abnormalities and all mm-hmm. the things that cause um, miscarriage, one of the explanations is, because the world broke. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to be that way. It was way. not supposed to be that way. It's not necessarily fault. Right. It's just the way we happen to live in the times we are in. And Tim Keller said something years ago about suffering that's really helped me. He said, you know, we're the only civilization in history, this modern civilization, that's surprised by suffering. Mm-hmm. Every other civilization expected to suffer. Mm-hmm. They acknowledged the world was broken and it wasn't if they're going to suffer, it's when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's just worth acknowledging, like, yeah, we're all going to need some consolation at some point in our lives. It's not if, but when. Right. It's common to everybody. Yeah. So how might you know? You're cruising along. You get that pregnancy stick. You're so excited. And how might you know that it can happen? Well, if you didn't know that you were pregnant in the first place, you might not know. You might just think, oh, I'm getting my period. Right? Or an extra heavy period. Yeah, or- spotting or something, which happens to a lot of us. People who are irregular, mm-hmm. you, can, yeah. you, can, you never know what's going on. Um, but after the first eight weeks or so, when you're, okay, say you've missed a couple of cycles and you're kind of suspecting and you know, then it's less likely that you'll mistake a miscarriage for a period. So how common is light bleeding early in pregnancy? Do you see that in a lot of clients, Sarah? It's com- I mean, it's pretty common. You can have, you know, implantation bleeding or you can have you can have implantation or like the subchronic hemorrhage. Um, there's some things that can happen early on. Um, I wouldn't say it's super common. Like I don't have all all of my clients or friends texting about it, but I've had, you know, a fair share. I'd say like out of 10, like three or something mm-hmm. like that. So oh, that's a pretty so good pretty, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And that's and it wasn't necessarily it anything mean, to worry about. Right. It doesn't mean it's a miscarriage. So when it, when clients call me and ask, or they're in that panic when they see that, it's just like, just go check it out with your doctor. And sometimes it's just, it's nothing. Right. Right. So. Um, it can happen after sex. Yes. Mm-hmm. Early on and yeah. that kind of thing as well. Yes. And what are some of the other symptoms or signs that this might be happening? You can have cramping, um, lower <laughs> lower belly pain, abdominal pain, uh, discharge or fluid of tissue or tissue. And then one big one is you may be feeling really nauseous or feeling like breast tenderness and things like that. And then all of a sudden it just stops. And so that's also could be a sign that you've, you're miscarrying. Mm. Okay. Just because those hormones that yeah. uh, whatever was growing and change the HCG yeah, the HCG levels is changing yeah. day drops. by day. Yes. Yeah. And it just drops. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's let's talk about what causes it then. Right. So aside from your opening comments that the world is broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Just about the different ways the world is broken. Medically, <laughs> um, I think the vast majority they're seeing occur because of just chance chromosomal or genetic abnormalities. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes hormonal imbalances or if you have problems with the uterus or placenta, mm-hmm. you might be more prone to that. Yes. Do you see that? Yeah. And I would imagine your OB would know, right? Right. Okay, you've yeah. got this kind of placenta or you've got this kind of uterus going on. We might need to, then you may become high risk. Yeah. Higher risk. Is it just the shape of the uterus? No. I have, for more like early on stuff like this, though, I think it's more like if the placenta doesn't attach correctly, because mm. it around 11 weeks is when it starts taking over for the hormones, you know, your progesterone um, in that time, it, it's just on your own. Your body's producing it. But then once the placenta takes over, it no longer needs that. But if it doesn't take over, then the baby's not going to okay. make it. Got yeah. it. Okay. So, you said that in a way that's so easy to understand. I don't. Good oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well done. <laughs> so then I guess there's other other causes too. Drug and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, which, okay, can we just pause there? Because yeah. I was watching a Stanley Tucci Exploring Italy documentary with my husband recently. And... The pregnant lady was drinking red wine on the <laughs> oh yeah on the documentary at dinner with everybody else. So is that a cultural thing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> what? Um, what about fetal alcohol syndrome? That doesn't apply in Italy. No. Well, I think it's excessive amounts of it. But if you know, I mean, I've drank a, you know, a couple ounces when uh-huh. I'm pregnant, and mm-hmm. it's okay. Like it's been okay. Like towards the end too. Uh, that's getting too much in the birthy world, but they sometimes call it the three B's. It's like booze, bed, and bath. <laughs> so that's the three B's. Oh, okay. So drinking like two ounces or three ounces of red wine just to help relax your body. But yeah, okay, it's encouraged by midwives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I guess if you're in America, like my husband wouldn't even let me have a Dr. Pepper. Thanks, David. Like, I know. No, right, no, no, right. No. And I'm thinking that woman's just sitting there drinking, yeah, three or four ounces of red wine. On I think the it's TV excessive. show. Yeah. I'm not, nobody's going to say, hey, just go. Because you, you don't know the exact amount kind of thing. But. Right. I don't. Yeah. So. Like better safe than sorry. And yeah. it's probably just good practice not to do it. Drug I get that. alcohol yeah. abuse. Yeah. 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 I would say. Or excessiveness then. Yes. Right. Interesting. Okay. Um, other causes might be uncontrolled diabetes, thyroid disease, mm-hmm. um, some STDs. Some procedures, I think amniocentesis carries a small risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, procedures are going to carry risks. So yeah, that's why I didn't do it. Me too. You have to weigh the risk benefit. Yeah. I just was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing that. And then talk about caffeine. <laughs> yeah. This one blew my mind. Mm-hmm. We're learning a lot more about caffeine and like the effects on hormones and stuff. It's like plummeting women's progesterone and all kinds of things. But yeah. 
even non-pregnant women. Yeah, it's non-pregnant, like, it's like it's having, your causing infer- infertility issues with oh. excessive amounts of caffeine. Interesting. Okay. So a cup of coffee in the morning, just like your two ounces of red wine, right, is probably fine. But they're starting to find out now that about two cups of regular coffee or this, which was crazy, five 12-ounce oh. cans of caffeinated soda. If you're drinking five <laughs> ounces... Your six pack a day of your caffeine, (laughs) you're probably having a little too much. Yeah. Then that does associated with miscarriage. Right. Yeah. If you're drinking five 12 ounce cans of caffeinated soda every day, get curious about yourself and ask (laughs) what hurt you're trying to cover up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's killing your sleep. What lie that you're believing that's making you have to medicate with Dr. The Pepper. soda. It's a yeah. cycle of lack of sleep. But the, the amazing thing to me was that there's a study um, in 2016 by the National Institutes of Health that said the amount of caffeine consumed by both parents in the weeks leading up to conception had a significant impact. So dads too. Mm-hmm. Same with alcohol. There's in like foods that they eat beforehand. The dads have a big influence on the placenta. And they don't, I don't think that dads really realize, hey, I need to be prepping my body too and be like healthy to help support a healthy placenta. The placenta is what supports the pregnancy and the dad is part of making that up. So (laughs) that's awesome. There's really good information. There's so Mm -hmm. many, that's such a clue in creation Mm -hmm. as to like what a man is for and what a woman is for, Mm -hmm. which is that question we're always asking Mm -hmm. for, you know, if something's working, what is it for? How how beautiful for God to show us in creation, the support men are supposed to give women in that way. I love that. I do too. That's so beautiful. That's so cool. Oh, it's like a poem. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say one other thing about um, sleep. We've also started finding like women that work night shift or who are up. Obviously some women are going to be up with their kids during the night if they have other children, but um, my OB shared that like it's like a 35% higher risk um, of miscarriage if you are working like three plus overnight shifts a week. Um, so sleep really affects hormones too. They're just now finding this out. So wow. probably like the last five years. Yeah. Wow. And so. men's fertility is plummeting. I was reading recently, like n- na- like not nationwide, worldwide. Mm-hmm. It, it's so, mm-hmm. so interesting to me that this is all coming on. It seems like, I don't know. I feel like I was paying attention to all of it when we were. In our childbearing years, Bonnie, it seems like things have changed. I know, but now the information that's available, yeah, maybe you're right. How quickly it's available, yeah, is so different than when we were doing this. Yeah, that's true. So, also severe. <laughs> Weren't they like telling y'all to smoke cigarettes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hilarious. Excuse me while I reach across and slap Sarah. Huh? Pardon me. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're definitely not that old. I'm sorry. <laughs> Now, my mom smoked through all five of her pregnancies, which could explain wow. a lot. I wow. could have been two inches taller, at least. Yeah, that's yeah, no, it causes growth restrictions. So. <laughs> and and my my kids are like, you fed us all that organic food. We had no extra hormones, so we didn't grow. You, you can't win. You, you can't win. Yeah. So, okay, more causes, they're saying, um, is severe stress. So, mm-hmm. we all, again, the world is broken. We're all going to experience stress. But, like, the death of a spouse, the death of a parent. Severe stress can be a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard as recently as much as 95% of disease in general can oh, be traced um, to stress. And yeah. really only 5% just totally straight genetics. And so managing, learning how to manage stress, learning f- how to really 
appropriate Jesus as your consolation mm-hmm. would be worthwhile just mm-hmm. for good health and just especially, for, health. especially for this yep. as well. Yep. But it's just, let's just say, even severe stress does not have 100% cause and effect here. We, we want right. to be clear. These are all just things that are perhaps contributing factors yes. mm-hmm. as they yeah. study. Mm-hmm. And then things like falls, Scarlett O'Hara, down the stairs and gone with the wind. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I was traumatized by that. I thought, oh no, I can never fall. <laughs> yeah. But that's not always the case. People yeah. horseback ride, they ski, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they mm-hmm. do all these risky activities. They're not recommended. Right. Because, yeah, you could, if you're severely injured yourself, then you can injure that child as well. But really, babies are pretty cushioned in They there. are. They're really protected. I remember it with my, I think it was my second, my little, my first son had like kicked me or was playing, we were playing around and kicked me and I was like, oh no. But they're underneath, they're still like behind the pubic bone area for a long time. So I think it's like 12 weeks once it's really like your uterus is out of that area. So it is protected. Just same with like alcohol. I know that I know lots of women are like, I had several drinks and didn't even know I was pregnant. Right. And and so, yeah, I, I feel like there was a right. God built in this cushion in the first stage, you know, early weeks to protect a to baby. To protect yeah. the baby. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. So I know we've laid out all these particular causes and things that might contribute to miscarriage. But what we don't want is for you to go down this list. If you if this has happened to you and think, oh, that was it. That's where I'm. Mm-hmm. That's where it was my fault. That's where I caused it to happen. Because by far, most of these factors are nothing that a parent to be has control over at mm-hmm. all. That's right. So don't blame yourself. Mm-hmm. That's for the people in the back. Right. Do not blame yourself. Right. The odds are, if you want to try again after that. The greatest odds are things will probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Tell us the statistic that you told me Oh, sometime in the last year. It's like if you get pregnant within the first six months after miscar- uh, miscarrying, uh, it's more likely to have, be a successful, healthy pregnancy. So you, within you, the six, first six months after miscarrying. And yeah. you're actually more fertile yeah. after a miscarriage, which is so encouraging yeah. to hear. Yeah. I don't know how many women I've heard that have miscarried and then they didn't even get their first period back or they did get their first period back in that first cycle. They were already pregnant kind of thing. So That's wow, really so cool. interesting. And you yeah. were saying before we came on the air that um, your hormones still stay up right mm-hmm. after miscarriage. So right. maybe, maybe that's why. Could be. Fertility has increased <laughs> and all of that yeah. stuff because yeah. your hormones take a long time to yeah. go back to normal yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. So you have experience with this, Sarah. Sadly, mm-hmm. um, we thought, oh, if you were up to it, you'd be a beautiful yeah. testimony and encouragement to moms. So thank you for being willing to come on and sure share your story. So can you walk us through what uh, your experience last year? Sure. So um, it kind of took us a little while to get pregnant this time around. And I think it had to do with hormones. I do a lot of postpartum shifts, not getting enough sleep, those sort of things, drinking lots of coffee, all the things. Um, but we were excited. We found out we were pregnant in May. And then um, and it was August 4th when I went into my 13 week appointment and, um, they were, they had set up an ultrasound, um, just to make sure everything looked good and, and went in the room and didn't have my husband with me, which was really sad. Um, expecting to see the baby, but I know enough from seeing ultrasounds that something wasn't right. Mm. And the tech was just like, I'm sorry, you're, um, I can't answer any questions right now. We're gonna have you go sit in the waiting room. And I just knew something was wrong. Yeah. So I walked into the the room the midwife is who saw me, and um, she she asked me a few questions. Told me she liked my dress. I remember, and then just said, "I'm so sorry, but your baby doesn't have a heartbeat." Mm-hmm. And those are just, oh, I mean, I such know. crushing words to hear. Oh, I remember. So, I mean, I was just sobbing, sobbing. I, I've never felt that kind of grief. It's a different kind of grief. Um, 
one that I hope no one has to experience, but I know that a lot of women have went through it. Um, and the, the midwife sat with me until my husband could, could be there, which I thought was really great and really sweet. And I kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm crying. And she's like, it's okay to cry. Like anything that you feel right now is normal and okay. And I feel like that's such an important thing to remember. If you are, if you have a friend that miscarries or someone else to remind them how you feel right now is okay. It's perfectly normal and perfectly okay. Right. So um, then we had to talk through steps. What do we want to do next? So it's like, do you want to go home and wait this out a little bit more? The baby was measuring behind. The baby was measuring 11 weeks and I was 13 weeks. So at some point, the baby had slowed growing and it stopped growing. Um, and so it was, do you want to go home? Do you want to um, take Cytotec, which is a cervical ripener, and it induces contractions um, and miscarry the baby at home? Or do you want to have a DNC? And I had no idea. I mean, I, I've heard of the different, you know, the different ways that you can miscarry. But even as a doula, I just, when it's you yourself, it just is, it's different. Mm. So we went home, I wasn't able to, to miscarry at home, things just didn't happen. Um, they gave me side attacks, still didn't happen. And so just the emotional roller coaster of that. Um, I, I, decided to call my OB and see if we could schedule a DNC. Um, just that waiting and just like crying out to God, God, please just bring this baby and just please end this. Uh, for me, I thought what, that it would be... What period of time are we talking there? This was, um, I mean, it was just like over a couple of days. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know how long I had been, you know, that the baby had sure. been gone either. Um, and there are some risks too, if you wait for a certain amount of time that you can have infection mm -hmm. and hemorrhage and things like that. So it... I had wanted to do it at home because for some reason I thought it would be comforting to see the baby and to just like have that closure. Um, but I think the DNC ended up being a really great choice for us. Um, we went in to the hospital and they put me under general anesthesia for that. And um, when I came back, I remember feeling just so empty, mm -hmm. just that feeling of like I was pregnant, the baby was with me and it's no longer here. And there was some song, I've told you this, it's so terrible. In the in the recovery room, it was like, let your baby go and like all this different like stuff. And I'm like, why is this song on here right now? I'm just yeah. crying and the nurse hugging me. But um, I just, I think it was the best the best case scenario for us because I did hemorrhage and um, they were able to control the bleeding there. Um, but also for my husband, because I think I hadn't really took into account, like, wh how would he feel if I did this at home and he saw the baby? And so for him, he just said, I'm just really glad that it happened this way. Um, because I just don't know how I could have handled it. So, right. His concern immediately went to you. Right. Worrying about mm -hmm. what exactly. So mm -hmm. yeah. that was my experience. So and you did not beforehand have any... Like you're just going into your appointment? Yeah. I mean, I had been no. sick. I had been pretty like nauseous and stuff, but for like the week before I, it stopped. Mm. And so looking back, I'm like, mm, that's probably when. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Yes. Thank you. And then you so had trouble post-surgery. Yes. Yeah. So I ended up having to have another DNC um, because my bleeding wouldn't stop. And most, for, most DNC procedures, you have it done, you have some mild cramping, light bleeding, and that's what they told me. But I was having like... Level like pain level six pain in my back, which I've had unmedicated pregnancies. And so to me, I'm like, this is active labor. What is going on? Like, why am I still feeling this way? Um, so I ended up having to have another DNC. And then even after that, there was some missed tissue that I had to go to the ER for. And so anyways. how many weeks total is this? Oh, whole like entire, this is a lot of weeks. Yeah. Like, I mean, six. I mean, it was eight weeks before I stopped bleeding. Yeah. yeah it was so, a lot. It was a long time. It was a while. to have to have that. Mm. 
constant it, reminder. I, yes, that's what that was where I felt like I couldn't emotionally kind of like move forward was like my body hadn't Finished. healed, and so it's still this constant reminder of yeah. what ha- what had happened. So, yeah, yeah. So, how do you think? Have you seen any women in your practice since then that you? feel differently towards or oh, were yes. able to minister towards in a different way. Oh yes. I've had I mean I've had clients, I've had friends. You just feel so differently when it's I don't know, when you can have that same empathy. Um but yeah, and even women that had miscarried prior to getting pregnant, I'm pregnant again. And so like going through all those motions of what's that what's that mm-hmm. feel like and like the the questions of like is this or is everything going to be okay and that kind of thing. So yeah. Definitely has changed my yeah, views on all of it. Right, it has to, which I think, let's just not miss saying that that's one of the good things about suffering. Oh, yeah. That's one of the redeeming oh, things yeah. about suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, it's not wasted. Right. Because you can reach out and help the next person. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets it like somebody who gets it. Yes. So. Some what? of the people that, I guess, were so important to me during that time were moms that had miscarried, that had stories that they could share to be able just to to validate me and say, that's sure. normal. That's okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's completely true. Absolutely. So you can either start miscarrying at home, you start bleeding and it is a miscarriage or mm-hmm. you go into the doctor like you did mm-hmm. and find out there's no heartbeat. Right. What's next? So, you know, just in my experience and being able to walk others through it now, um, you know, they, they say, what do you want to do now moving forward? Do you want to go home and just see if your body does it naturally on its own? Do you want to try to take a cervical ripener, which is Cytotec, um, to, to move things along and also do that at home? Um, and then there's also the option of a DNC, which you would go into um, the hospital to have that procedure done. So when they gave me those options, I wasn't sure which one do I pick, like what's right for me. Um, so I tried going home for a while and just seeing um, if this, I tried Cytotec to see if it would do anything and it didn't. Um, and so... When you take it, it can cause cramping. Um, it can cause um, like diarrhea, like things like that. Um, and usually within the first 12 hours of taking it, something should start happening. Like your body should get this the, the message that it's time to pass the baby. Um, sometimes it takes several rounds of that. Um, if not, there's also all, there's other alternatives. For me, it was just like that waiting period of, it's already been, you know, almost two days now. Are we just going to continue this path? You know, Zane's at home with me, my husband. We decided to go forward with the DNC. So that... And I guess it would depend on, like, at, at that point, at the stage of your pregnancy, like, mm-hmm. you would pass what looked like a baby. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a baby at every stage, but yeah, the psychological impact of that right. happening at home, I think, was would be a factor for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely is something you have to consider. Um, and I hadn't considered what that would feel like to my husband. For me, I thought, you know, that would be closure for me to be able to do it at home and to see the baby. But I just feel like God lined it up the way that he did. Um, and it, it should have happened the way it did for us to go mm-hmm. have the DNC. If you start to have symptoms and you're at home, mm-hmm. you know, I think most women call their doctor. Yeah. 
And then it depends. Is it during the day where you can get to your doctor? Yeah. If it's a weekend, you have to go to the ER. Mm -hmm. What are your options there? Yeah. So I'm glad that you asked that because I feel like women don't know their options. And I didn't know before this happened. But there are some um, just women's OBER. So they're just for gynecological or OB type emergencies. Um, and we're in the middle Tennessee area. So Midtown has one. And I just found out Vandy also has one, a women's OBER. So instead of having to wait in the waiting room for hours amongst all the other people that have emergencies, um, they're going to like cater to, you know, what's going on with you and, um, you get in more quickly. It just feels like they've got the compassion, (laughs) um, to deal with it. I had a, a friend recently that miscarried. And she sat in the waiting room for three hours and I mean hemorrhaged and it was, it ended up being an emergent DNC. It just was really traumatic. And so I just don't want women to add on to the trauma that they're already experiencing. So if you do have the option or or if there's something in your area, I would look for an OBER first. Um, Yeah. And that's not something, okay. It's like drawing up your will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not something you like to think about yeah. or want to do, but it would just take a few minutes, mm-hmm. maybe even just asking your doctor's office. Yeah. And now you know. Right. That's a good one. Um, and, you can, and you can just have that in the back of your mind if you ever need it. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned to me this, this really beautiful option that um, some hospitals do once you have a DNC. Mm-hmm. Um, what options are there for you for more closure after that? Yeah. Yeah. So when we had the chaplain come speak to our doula group, um, if you are, I think it was like eight to nine weeks pregnant, um, at that point you would have the DNC and the, and when you have the DNC afterwards, you have the option of either having, um, your baby cremated if you want to. So you could take, you know, at home and, um, and have that like remembrance, and, and, you know, in the buried, you know, sprinkle it in the backyard or whatever you choose to do with it. And then also they actually have burial plots with like some of the Catholic hospitals. So Midtown, I know does where you could have a, a place to go, you know, mourn and like, and have that oh, remembrance wow. of your baby. So I thought that was really special. And I wish I had known that ahead of time with mine also. Right. So, so. thank you for sharing that yeah. with our listeners. That'll be a real blessing. Yeah. So the women that you've talked to and been able to help mm-hmm. since this this was just a few months ago really yeah. yeah can you give us a variety of how they were feeling I think it's helpful for our listeners to know like the different we all grieve differently mm-hmm. and so how are the, how are they describing feeling did they want to talk about it did they not want to talk about yeah. it all those things. Yeah. I feel like it is different for everyone. And that's why we don't say like, there's one certain way you should be crying a lot or you should be angry. Um, because everyone's different. I've had ones that didn't want to talk at all that didn't share it until, you know, 10 weeks had passed and they're like, Hey, I miscarried by the way. And yeah, wanted to talk about it then or others that want to be right there next to them crying with, you know, sitting there with them in the, in the mud, in the, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, in the thick of it all. So yeah, it just varies, and it, everyone's different in how they process things. Back when, I can remember my dad telling me a story. His mom, he didn't even know that she was pregnant at the time, but then she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the 50s, probably. Mm-hmm. And no words were ever spoken, like, in the family or to oh, the siblings yeah. or to anyone. Like, it, it wasn't a thing. It was like the thing that you whispered, you know, when you have women trouble. She's got, yeah. you know, women trouble. Mm-hmm. And you don't. You just don't say it. So what what about your boys? I know they are all different personalities, and I'm sure they processed it differently. Mm-hmm. How did you work with them through that grief? Um, so that was kind of hard. I wasn't sure 
where to even start with it. I didn't, wasn't, some people were like, why would you tell them that? You know, they're so young. Um, but then I spoke to a really, really great person named Renee. <laughs> that's my mentor. Um, and she said, you know, we, we all have things that happen in life. So I think it's great to share with them. And so we did, we shared with, um, Ellis and Ian, and obviously it's going to be different for their ages. We're not going to go in great detail with things, but they know that I've been gone. They know I've had surgery. And so, um, just dismissing and acting like nothing happened really is, you know, they know they They figured out anyway, something seriously wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So we just told them, you know, I, I had been pregnant. We hadn't told them yet. Um, we had been waiting for this ultrasound to make sure everything looked okay to share that with them. Um, but we just said, you know, mommy was pregnant, but, um, our baby is no longer with us and he's in heaven. Um, and our oldest was just very, you know, emotionally just, just distraught. I mean, sobbing and why, why does God not want him to be here with us though? I want him to be here with me. And, um, all those questions were questions we were able to just talk through as a family. And, you know, I don't have the answers to why, you know, Mm -hmm. none of us Mm -hmm. really do. Um, but I do know that we'll get to see him one day. And I felt like that was really comforting to him to be able to think through that, but also, um, just, us being able to share that together as a family, that grief is part of life and that things happen um, and that we can talk about that, have conversations about it and um, that your questions are welcome and we can. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I just think that's so beautiful thinking down the road to your boys are going to grow up someday. They're going to get married and have their own family someday. And how that ripple effect of you all just dealing with that as a, hey, this is how it happens. And here's how we help each other, how that will help them be so much gentler as husbands and fathers in their own future. I hope so. Uh, yes. Planting those <laughs> seeds and how they watch, you know, your husband minister to you mm-hmm. and vice versa. I just, I don't think there's anything better than that or any better place than that can be done than in a family. I really do feel like we've grown closer as a family because of it. I mean, just being able to share that and say like things, really sad things do happen, but we're still, you know, all together and we can, we're going to heal together and walk this journey together. So it was really great. A verse that it, this is bringing to mind is Psalm 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Mm-hmm. And that consolation is ours for the taking. I, I think it's so wise for you to welcome the hard questions. I hear a lot of young adults um, who are struggling in their faith say questions were not allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's in the youth group or mm-hmm. church setting or maybe even at home. And so one of the best things I think you could do um, is to invite your boys, even though they're really young, in and let them ask the hard questions. And to say, I'm no, I don't know either. Yeah. But we we do. Here's what we do know, that God is good mm-hmm. and he's for us. He's not against us and the world is broken. That's so important. Yeah. Because, you know, in the end, Job didn't really get an answer either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You get, you get a lot of, um, I, why did this happen? I, 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 I don't understand. And we don't want to be Job's friends and say, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Tit no. for tat. No. Karma. You know, like um, Tim Keller had a sermon series on suffering I thought was so, so good. And that was one of the things he said is, karma is way too simplistic. The world is way more complicated mm-hmm. than that, than every single thing happens for a reason or because you deserve it. Um, that's just not true. And so, wow. So, so good. I, I love your boys so much. And then, 
And they do like that, especially that oldest one. He has, he's got a theological brain. He's asking the hard questions. (laughs) That's just the way he thinks. Mm -hmm. And he's, to help him wrestle through it is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Really important. I don't think we get a lot of the whys in this side of life about a lot of anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in most subjects, but it's not about the whys. It's really about the processes and, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. What do we do with the I don't knows? And what do we do with the uncertainty? Because we sure get plenty of that. So how do we handle that right. together? Yeah. yeah, the the verse that can get twisted, that Romans verse, that all things work together for them who love the Lord and right. are called. It's not all things are good no. that happen. But right. God can use, that's the beauty of God's economy, is He can use the brokenness mm-hmm. where, you know, Satan wants to get a foothold or a stronghold in your life. And He can, if you press in towards him, he can actually turn that into something good or use it for good, even though it feels so bad mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got like, really choked up just talking about some of this earlier, just because now I am pregnant and my boys have gotten to see this side of things. So, you know, the the sadness, the grief, and then praying like, God, bring us another baby. And then, with you know, being, being, being pregnant. And then when we first uh, told the boys that we were pregnant, Ella's saying, thank you, God. He was just rejoicing that God has given us this Mm, gift yeah, and praying for a healthy pregnancy and all those kind of things. It's just been really great to just see God's redemption in this and the kind of full circle of things is like we go through really hard times, but we also go through really great times, Mm -hmm. good times and blessings that God has shared with us too. Yeah, that's right. And it's a girl. Can we just say that I mean, just you just in you are in a house full of boys, and your life is about to just be transformed. Yes. I love it. it; makes me so happy. That'll be awesome. So, one odd thing about grief, um, you know, you said when your body was kind of done mm-hmm. processing what it had to process, you noticed your grief kind of subsiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we have traumatic childhood griefs or losses Mm -hmm. and subsequent losses compound that or bring things up from our past. We don't even know what's happening. So what would you say to a mom who experiences that where the grief is not subsiding? Yeah. And in fact, it may be getting worse and they don't know why. Yeah. What would you recommend? I would recommend talking, you know, with a counselor. Um, Readiness counseling is a great counseling service here in the middle Tennessee area for uh, pregnancy and pregnancy loss. Um, They also talk with women and men, but I would suggest that for anyone, mm-hmm. first of all, but especially if you're really struggling to overcome that grief, um, just to get tools to be able to to work through and process some of that trauma. Um, but also, I would talk to your OB about it. If, they're, if it's getting in the way of life and things like that, I would talk to your OB and reach out to a close friend, a close, a good, you know, a mentor or um, just someone from church. We have discipleship groups. And so somewhere where you can just plug in and just be vulnerable and share those kind of feelings, because I also think prayer is such an important part of that and having Mm -hmm. someone walk you through like spiritually, like being there to support you through that also. There's some really good prayer ministries in the middle Tennessee area. It's just worth mentioning Mm -hmm. Um, freedom prayer, which we just had at our church, a big training weekend for, is really tailored for this kind of thing, for this these situational things that come up in life where you feel like there's some sort of um, something prohibiting you from receiving the healing that Jesus really wants you to have, that full healing. And it's so helpful to have someone wise and mature in Christ walk you through. And the training that um, 
I went to, they said they actually collaborate with counseling centers and they co-refer where Mm -hmm. the counselor's like, you know, um, I've got some people that I really think need what you offer in freedom prayer and in freedom prayer, when they hit like a a big situation where they think, no, this needs professional attention as well. Mm -hmm. They'll refer. So um, it's a national ministry, freedom prayer. You can look it up. There's um, books on Amazon Mm -hmm. um, that kind of explain what it is. It's probably a website you can go to as well. We'll, if it is, we'll put it in our show notes. Yep. But that is, having personally done that myself recently, it's very powerful experience to walk in the freedom that Christ really does offer. Freedom mm-hmm. from guilt and shame and past hurts, as you're talking about, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Some, you know, something. Sometimes things happen to us, and sometimes we do things. Mm-hmm. And and there's those are different kinds of woundings, right? And there's different um, avenues to healing for that. Mm-hmm. So good. There's healing for it all. There's healing for it out. It's available. <laughs> it. Chase after it. Chase yep. after it. So what what is your what did your OB tell you or did she? He, she <laughs> tell you not to do after? anything? Uh-huh. Uh, after miscarriage. Well, you just mean like the physical things? Or yeah, yeah any of it really. Um, I mean sex. Like okay. no sex, which I don't know that many women are <laughs> feeling like, like that. Please, yeah, right. <laughs> um no sex, no um like tampons, things like that. Um they told me at the hospital no baths, but my OB was like, your vagina is not a vacuum, so you can take a bath and it's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not a sentence, sentence I've ever thought I would hear. <laughs> Just going to say that. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> that and Emma texted me the other day and said, here's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Dottie Lou, don't put apples down your pants. Yeah. <laughs> Right. All, you know, you in the world know, of children, you just never know. <laughs> That's right. The, the, all the body part the conversations and all things. Okay, let's talk about emotional support. One area that might be overlooked when it comes to miscarriages, especially early ones, is emotional support and the emotional aftermath. Yeah, you know, you typically hear of, and, and I did this, you don't really even tell people that you're pregnant until 10 or 12 weeks, because you kind of almost it's so common to have a miscarriage. Um, So if you haven't told many people or anybody, then you don't have to go through that process of untelling everybody. So I think people maybe underestimate the emotional impact of a miscarriage for that reason, Mm because, oh, well, you didn't even tell anybody, how big a deal could it be, right? But that's not the case. I think any loss is a loss that if you want that child, the first, um, the first time you know that you're pregnant, you're already thinking of futures and right. scenarios and all this, all this stuff in your head. So the fact is, once you're pregnant, all those hormones mm-hmm. have already started, all those physiological changes have already started. And when you no longer are, your hormones plummet at that same time that you're going through grief. Um, that's just, I think, harder than people who haven't experienced it know. Right. So what mm-hmm. can you do to help yourself or a friend or just thinking through like even just me, my like personal like gr- grieving process I wish I would have told sooner uh, and everybody's different and how how soon they want to tell but with my first with my miscarriage I didn't share until that 13 week mark so I didn't even tell my mom my mom my, the first time she found out that I, I was pregnant was the day that I lost too. Oh, yeah um so telling people a little sooner at least a few a few friends but then also um 
I don't know. Well, how much hormone do you actually have in like six, seven, eight weeks? Like it, it's, is it a big change for your body? Yeah, it's all, it's, it's such a big range uh, for all people. That's why some women have like hyperemesis. They get really sick and nauseous because their numbers are like doubling and tripling and they're a little bit higher on the higher end. So they're like between like the 200,000 range to the like 100,000 range. So there's a big difference um, in the hormone, in the mm-hmm. HCG levels. But so when you do miscarry, it just depends on how quickly your body is getting, is getting that process. Like, okay, I am losing the baby. Cause with me, I didn't, my body didn't register that quite, you know, as quickly as the loss had happened. Right. Um, so I think that's going to be different for everybody. So say that's, say that's you. What do you want? What do you need from other people? I think, I mean, personally, for me, I needed friends. I needed, you know, just people to affirm me that this is okay. Like I kind of talked about earlier, um, other women that shared their stories, just having that was really validating to me. But also just someone just to check in and maybe send me a text and say, just want you to know I'm thinking about you. I'm here if you want to talk because not everybody does want to talk. Yeah. Um, So I've had clients and friends who, the ones that didn't share, did just want some time alone. Um, and so if, if you have a friend that lost that is like that, you could just maybe send them some flowers or send them a card or a book or something like that just lets them know that you're thinking about them and that you're there whenever they are ready to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of meeting them wherever they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really good distinction. So you're not comparing, well, she's not as sad as I would be right. or she's not, you can't do that because yeah. you don't know how they're taking it internally or maybe right. they're just a more quiet person than you are. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That's important to look at, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yet, I've kind of learned through the years to not just say like, hey, let me know if you need anything, because yeah. I'm, I will 100% never reach out and let you know if I need anything. <laughs> right. And you don't always know right. what so, you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, several people in different scenarios. So like loss of a an adult child. I was talking to a friend and she said this person who was an acquaintance, not even a really like a friend friend, showed up on her doorstep and was like, I'm here. And she just started like washing dishes in the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And because she had been through a, a loss in her adult life, not of a child, but I think maybe of a parent. And mm-hmm. she just knew. Yeah. And so she said that was like something I'll never, we'll always be friends, actually. She's like, that was the start of our friendship. Wow. Because, because how could you not after somebody walked with you through those first few days? Yeah. That is just, that is being the hands and feet of Jesus. Like when I think about the hands and feet, that right there, just and, getting in. And so we want, like, so mm-hmm. me, I'm like, I don't want to intrude. I don't, you know, I'm praying from, and I am praying from afar, mm-hmm. but there is this, you just got to ask God for wisdom. Yeah. There's just this balance, this tricky balance. And just when to know, when to show up and be like, oh yeah, I'm actually folding that little laundry that's yeah. coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, you and you know, don't have to talk to me. You I'm don't, just in that's here it. Doing my I'm thing. just in yes. here doing it. And I think that was the thing. Like mm-hmm. they weren't sitting face to face. Yeah. Unpacking the grief. She was just there. Yeah. Like, um, she didn't look away. Yeah. Like we were talking about the other day, Bonnie. Oh yeah. Just don't look away. When the terrible thing happens, one of the best things you can do for people is. Yeah. Just be there with them. Don't in disappear. It. Mm-hmm. Sit there with them just, in it as uncomfortable as suffering is. It's because you're going to. F- It'll be your turn sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how life works. Yep. Yep. That's a really good point. I'm I'm glad that you shared that because mm-hmm. 
I'm not great about asking either, but just having somebody there with you and just, I don't know, that makes all the difference and you're not going to just reach out sometimes. So even women that are having like postpartum depression and things like that, it's easy to just like be like, I'm okay. And just dismiss it. But if you're a woman in their life and you can, yeah, go, go be, go get in it, go fold their clothes. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot more and and be there when they do need to talk. Right. And you don't have to go announce, hello, I'm here for the miscarriage. (laughs) No, I'm here for your postpartum depression. (laughs) You just come in and say, Hey, I'm I'm just in the neighborhood. I'm, I thought I'd come by. I have some time. I'm just going to do some laundry for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. We're not even saying any words about it. I would love to have a magical friend chop in and (laughs) do like a household chore. Wouldn't that be great? Because you don't think about all the, like the things like, those things are burdens on you. Like even just making sure the kids are fed. Like that's, those are things on my mind. Like what now I got to still think about what else to fix. And then I had a friend that just dropped off some food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very helpful. So, okay. People can be, we know pe- that's why we do this podcast in part is because we want to be the best friends and moms and sisters that we can be. People mm-hmm. can be insensitive. And I know sometimes we just say stuff because we don't know what to say, but people say stuff like this. Well, you can always try again, or at least you already have a child, Mm -hmm. or it wasn't so early. It wasn't really even a baby yet. Um, So (laughs) don't just uh, don't don't do (laughs) that. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to say, yeah, that those things are not helpful. Um, David's dad, David always talks about his dad training him as a kid how to do funerals. Oh, so he's like, when you do, when you go to a funeral. When you walk through the line to see the family, all you say is, I'm really sorry for your loss. Don't try to say, any- he's like, don't try to say anything uh, else. No platitudes. No, yes, no platitudes. No that, wisdom. Yeah. Right. That you just say, I'm very sorry. And I'm like, there's so much wisdom there. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's just another version of don't look away. I mean, you can't, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. 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 I'm really sorry. Yeah. We had a chaplain come from Midtown to come speak to our doula group. And that was one of the things, the things that she shared when you're talking with a a family that's been through a loss is just to say too, like, well, however you're feeling is okay. Like whatever you're feeling in this moment is okay. And not negating like they're feeling, oh, you'll be better soon. Or it's going to be okay. Like all those kind of things. It, it can feel good to some people in certain moments, but other times, other times it just makes sure you just shut off and mm-hmm. you yeah, one lady was trying to be nice to me, but she said, um, well, you know, it's one in four, miscarriage is one in four anyway, so I don't know why women don't just expect that to happen at some point. Oh, okay. Wow. Not helpful. Okay, a- another thing yet not to say. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> oh, no. And, I mean, it is, I mean, it is very common. It's much more common than I realized it yeah. was when I had mine, mm-hmm. and, um until we actually did this interview that yeah. I'd much more common than I knew. Yeah. Um, because I do think we just don't talk about it. Yeah. I, um, one thing, another one that's coming to mind is, is I can't imagine. And I know that sounds sort of um, like you're commiserating a little bit, but I'm not sure that's helpful either because the person you're talking to very well can imagine it. Yeah. And you're trying to, that sort of sets you apart from them. Like I can't put myself in your mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. and you already know that mm-hmm. like, yeah. I already get that yeah no, like you it's, can't it's to me what I hear when you said that was um you are in an alien land that's so bad oh yeah like <laughs> you, you are you're like you're on this barren moonscape and I cannot imagine what life would be like there that's not helpful yeah better you than me it's kind yeah. of you know yeah. it's kind of gives me that vibe which is yeah. not the best yeah it's not it's not yeah the the 
the more I read about suffering and the, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that there, there is no rhyme or reason that we will be able to discern mm-hmm. for why yeah. these things are happening and, and, and in what numbers to what people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you, there's no fixing it. There's no, no preventing it. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And then you sit there with it in it with somebody else. Yeah. And that's, that's what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Knowing that all, good the, all the seeds of sorrow that we sow here will spring up. Yep. Um, and joy. I, I do. I'm a big fan though of, um, of how you talk to yourself mm-hmm. through the suffering and a big fan of being intentional about how you talk to yourself in the suffering. So what might be helpful to tell yourself, Sarah, like if you were counseling somebody in your practice, your doula practice who's um, gone through this, what would you tell them? Yeah. Telling yourself the truth, um, and that your body is strong and capable that you have faith, friends, family who can support you through any outcome, um, surrendering, doing all that you can, and then placing the baby in God's control. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things, reminding myself of the truth and thinking mm-hmm. about that, like what's true about me, what's true about my body. Because during that time I started telling myself lies like, well, your body isn't capable of carrying a baby. It's your, you know, you start thinking those kind you may start to think those kind of things. Did you think like, what did I do? Did I like run too hard or bounce too hard or, you know, buckle <laughs> yes. the seatbelt too tight? You know what I mean? Like, yes. Is that, I, I would think I, I would think those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Questioning like, did I not like support my body well enough mm-hmm. like during this to, for the baby to make it? Yeah. 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 All that stuff. And it's helpful. If you can't say it to yourself, then that's what that person showing up can do right. for you yes. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Say that to the, to the person. Yeah. Okay. So, so this has happened to you and a little bit down the road, lo and behold, look, you're pregnant again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. happiness, <laughs> all the, all the amazing emotions come in. Yeah. You get pregnant again. You have a super interesting story about this, Sarah. Like <laughs> what happened to you? Well, so after my DNC, I, I had taken progesterone for a, a couple months. And he said, when you come off of it, you should start your period within the next like week. I didn't start my period. And he said, well, if not, we probably need to check your hormone levels and see what's going on. Um, and so it, it had been about a month at this point. And he checked my hormone levels. And so I go in to look at my labs. I said, I never heard back from my doctor. I kind of wonder what, you know, what my results were, why I haven't started my period. And lo and behold, my HCG levels were 92. And you only need to be plus five to be considered pregnant. So oh I didn't my. even know he was checking HCG. I just thought he was checking progesterone and, and those type of things and estrogen. Um, so when I saw that, I was in shock and like, what? I'm, wait, does this mean I'm pregnant then? Like, what does this mean? So I just That's was like, crazy. oh yeah, when did that happen? All that stuff was still, yeah. All that stuff was still <laughs> cooking in there. Who knows what I'll be Magic mix like. of hormones. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I interrupted you, but, um, but yeah. So yeah, you, so, okay, so then you, you get pregnant and then what do you do about the inevitable feelings that are coming in of, oh no. Like this is going to happen again. Yeah. What what can you do about that? I feel like basically kind of like what we just talked about before, like having people remind you of the truth, what's true about your body, prayer, and just surrounding yourself with that community. Um, I mean, it's easy to start questioning and saying, is my body going to be able to do it this time? Is it, did it cause it the first time? Is the baby okay? You know, questioning every little thing. Well, I I couldn't find the heartbeat. Like, is the baby Mm. really okay? So all those kind of things we're going through my mind. I know this time around and just like every little thing is that, I don't know. I didn't have spotting or anything like that, but 
Yeah, you did yeah. tell me you were like every week that passed and as you got closer yeah. to the weeks when you miscarried the first time. Oh, yeah. You were really kind of yeah It doesn't anxious. number. doesn't number when on I your hit, emotions. Yeah. yeah. When I hit like 11 and 12 weeks for sure. Because I, when I went in for my 13-week appointment was when I lost. And yeah, those those two weeks I felt so anxious, so just on edge, um, just kind of holding my breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I Which felt is, like if I could get to 13 weeks and things were okay, then maybe this baby would be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's natural to do, but it's not it's not going to serve you in any way right. to mm-hmm. worry and try to micro control everything and second guess everything you do mm-hmm. um, for the whole nine months, because then you're missing the blessing that it was in the mm-hmm. first place. It's robbing you're, you of that joy. Yeah, absolutely. Being pregnant. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I lived in stress state for like, <laughs> I don't know, till like 2003. I mean, we're women. we do yeah. that <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> Yeah, if there's anything that you can do to mediate that, like yeah. just breathing yeah. or yes. prayer breathing, or meditation yeah. uh-huh. or uh-huh. being outside uh-huh. or anything that takes your mind off of the next, the ticking clock of mm-hmm. when you're getting up to that next Yeah, I, w- I didn't milestone. have those tools to, to like take every thought captive I didn't in either. obedience to Christ kind of thing. I didn't have the Not tools. Not back then. Mm-mm. No. So there's great, there's great resources out there for doing that. Yes. There's There's ways you can actually learn to meditate. There's... There's actual things you can do. Um, there's rapid eye stress release, which I know there's actual therapies that people go, but you can actually just do that yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't pay $150. I do it in my <laughs> yeah. den every morning. I did like right. the tapping. Yes, lot, the tapping. The healing code. Yes, things. yes. Yeah. So there's all kinds of work you can do to, to like snap yourself out of it. Take your body stressed down. Yeah, down let's, let's take it down a notch. And it, and it works for, you know, an hour, a few hours, mm-hmm. and you do it again. You know, if it comes back, you do it again. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get good at that. Yeah. I feel like God made us so much for community too, to have others to lean on during that time. So uh, even if you don't want to share with a lot of people, just having one person that can say, Hey, how are you feeling today? Or for you to reach out to when you are feeling like I'm, I'm starting to be feel really like worried today. Like we just pray with me, any of those kind of things mm-hmm. to just help you and help you get into like a better mindset. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend recently, we were texting back and forth. Okay. What's the truth? Yeah. Like any truth. <laughs> Here, here's your truth for today. And here's my truth for today. We're going to share them just to have accountability to be mm-hmm. telling ourselves the truth. Mm-hmm. It's that's super helpful. Yeah. And I do have friends who, you know, just had one yesterday say, Hey, there's three or four of us on a text. Will you pray for this? Mm-hmm. And that's so, I love text for that. That's one of the best ways to use text <laughs> and is to not just say, yeah, I'm praying to actually type a little two sentence prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then send it. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Very encouraging. So helpful. Very encouraging. I was going to say one other thing too, is if you are feeling like it's getting in the way of life and you are so anxious that you can't breathe, you know, you can't just even do day-to-day things. I'd, I'd mentioned readiness counseling, but they're also so great for pregnancy loss and all those different things. So just going to see somebody that can give you tools also to cope like during that time also would be. Yes. 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 Resource. So good. It helps to know that it's pretty common yeah it's pretty common to feel that way Mm -hmm. you're not all by yourself you're not the first one to have gone through that too and yeah 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 that was that was satan did a number on me with that one in my 30s you're the only one Mm -hmm. you're the only one you're the only mom who would ever do this you're the only mom who would ever think this no i'm not that special (laughs) (laughs) right not true (laughs) not true um i guess before we close i want to just ask of you know the husbands out there I think some of them may feel like 
not as aware that they what of what they need. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for the husbands who are going through this? It's so different for each person, but I know for Zane, he wanted to talk about it. Or a few weeks after my DNC, my first DNC, Zane was just like, when is this going to end? Like kind of just had a big come apart, but just acknowledging that you have feelings too. And that you are men so much, so many times I think their job, they want to take care of you. They want to fix it. And sometimes you just can't fix it. And so just taking Mm -hmm. that time to acknowledge like, you've taken care of her, your wife, you've been there for her, but to also say, how am I feeling? Like how, mm-hmm. and, and wives, you can talk to them about that too. I know that this has been really hard on us both. Like, how are you feeling? Um, and if they don't want to share their emotions with you or, or talk about it, you know, having someone else that they can talk to or write, reading, you know, journaling, but that readiness counseling also does couples therapy, which is really great for helping good. process through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because you don't you don't always know what your feelings are until somebody else is kind of walking you through it. Yeah, or you don't know how to talk to your wife about it because you don't want to bring it up, make yes. her upset, right? Yes. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. So having a, a objective third party be able to kind of talk you through that and say, you mm-hmm. know, this is like so common. You guys are going to make it through. It'll be you yes. can expect probably this, this, and this to happen down the road. So helpful. Yes. You know, we've talked about so um presenting emotions so like what's the emotion behind the emotion Mm -hmm. so you know if your husband's presenting as angry Mm -hmm. that may not be the core emotion or like shut off like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there's like an emotion behind the emotion i was talking to an older dad at our church and he they had experienced a miscarriage and he heard about a really young dad at church who had experienced that and he tracked him down in the hall mm. and gave him a big old bear hug and just said, you know, I'm Aww. so sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm praying for you. And he pulled out this little like three by two by three teeny little notebook in the back. And he showed him where their names, the husband and wife's names were on the Aww. the list. And it was such a relief to this young father. Mm-hmm. You know, the older dad wasn't sure as we, as we all are feeling, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this person's going to take it, but he took the risk mm-hmm. and just put himself out there and said, you know what? It, it was really hard for us too. It was like one of the hardest things my wife and I ever went through mm-hmm. and, and we're praying for you and wow, it, it was so helpful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage any husbands who may be listening to this, if that's your experience, like go bless someone else. Yeah, Reach out to the next guy, reach out. Sometimes it, it it's likely not nearly as long as your wife wants to talk about it. No. So, you know, you don't have to worry. <laughs> right. That's a good point. five minutes 10 minutes and you're probably good and done but it's it's so meaningful and we are really are made for community Mm -hmm. so yes oh well sarah thank you so much for sharing your story and your experience with us i i just know that it's going to bless other Mm -hmm. people (laughs) yes that's how god's economy works um and how how much longer um, 20, almost 23 weeks now. So, and when this yeah. airs, it'll be even a little farther yeah. along. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you don't have now. a name yet, right? No. And, That's and so her hard. boys are all E names. Are you doing E? <laughs> we don't know. Okay, so, so maybe, so maybe indecisive. not. Yeah, yeah. The boys were like, it has to be an E name. She would be left out. Like, <laughs> so Aww. I feel like stuck to an E name. <laughs> oh, I love it. Zane has a, an aunt with an awesome E name and that's my vote. <laughs> Was it like Ermagard or something? <laughs> Electra. Oh, I love that Electra. with my whole heart. <laughs> if you're the little sister with three big brothers, you need a strong name. Well, that would do it. That, that name has power. <laughs> 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 That's the thing on that one. 
Oh, but seriously. So you can find the resources that we've mentioned. We'll put them on our website um, at justaskyourmom.com. And we'd love for you to share us. And this episode in particular, share with a friend. And that's kind of how we've been growing over the last couple of years. And if you'd just take five seconds to rate and review, uh, we'd appreciate it. Yep. And send your topic suggestions to us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.